Well, it's Mother's Day. I think my mom's there. She sits right back there. I'm glad to see her at church this morning. So, Mom, I'm it. You're all that you get. That all right with you? I always like to have somebody at church who thinks I'm the greatest preacher in the world, all right? I spoke last, night, last Sunday at another church here in town, and I called my sister Marty, and I said, Marty, I'm going to do this if you want to bring Mom. So she brought Mom last Sunday, you know, to hear me, because when I was pastoring for over 23 years, there was a lady in the church who thought she would say to me, Roger, those are all good sermons. And I like that, you know what I mean? Because some people go out and they're just mad at you, you know what I mean? And aggravated because you presented the word and they don't like what you had to say. But anyway, this lady, she always did that. So I always see if I can't bring someone with me. I didn't bring my wife today because it's Mother's Day and we had other plans there for her. But anyway, so I invite my mother, all right? So there's at least one person who will think this is a great sermon. Right, Mom? (laughs) <laughs> you got to plan ahead, people. Mother's Day special, like I said. Probably some of you are here because of your mother. And you probably told her or you told your wife, well, I don't know why I need to go to church. I'm just going to hear the same sermon. Well, all I got to tell you is surprise, surprise, surprise. Because this is not a Mother's Day sermon, all right? So it'll be good for you. You'll hear something different. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through verse 14. God, God's invitation to a wedding. He has invited mankind to a wedding feast. This is a parable that Jesus spoke on the week of the Passover. And he spoke three of them. We'll see that in just a few moments. But as he spoke, he spoke three of them. The parables were always a sign in disguise. And if you go back and you read these three that are here in chapter 21 and here in chapter 22, you'll find out, aha, I know what this is about. Well, you can do that while I'm preaching possibly. But it was about the fact that God was inviting the nation of Israel to a wedding. And that wedding was about the blood of Jesus Christ, who that next week or that week would die on the cross for our sins. And so if you've got your Bibles open and you look, or they got it on the board, i tell you what, you people are so uptown, I'm, I'm not used to this, but I'm just going to stick with my old way, okay? That's about the only way I know is the old way. Matthew 22, verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a... Wait a minute, time out. There's a car. What is it? It's a black... There's a black Ford Escape. You've left your lights on. If you wait real long, somebody's going to have to jump you, all right? A black Ford Escape. On this side or that side or in the middle? Nobody knows. Does anybody drive a black Ford Escape today? Apparently not, Laurie. All right. You've been warned, okay? You've been warned. All right. I just thought of that, okay? That's what happens when you get older. 
Everything slips your mind. Amen? Thank you for your support on that one. All right, back, back to the sermon, please, all right? Don't know where I was at. But anyway, verse 2. And the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage of his, for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready to come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wrought, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed these murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden are not worthy. You ought to mark that word down in your Bible, folks. They are not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many and as many as she shall find bid to the marriage. So these servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found. Mark this one down too, folks, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came into the sea, the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Mark that word down too, all right? And there said, then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. God's invitation to a wedding. Jesus here, Jesus' focal point for the past three years, has been spiritual life. Now we in our life today, our problem is we are caught up in the flesh. We get up in the morning and we go because we say, boy, if I can get this, 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 and this. And we work for all of these possessions that we have. But that's not what Jesus did. You see, Jesus was about the spiritual life. He was about what was in your heart, what was in your soul, where they were going to spend eternity at. That was Jesus' focal point. For some hundreds of years, there had been a silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Then on the scene at that time that was specific in time, God sent His Son, the Messiah to be, to be the substitute for mankind's sin. In these three parables that Jesus speaks about here in Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 31, then 32 to 46, and now here in chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, Jesus is speaking parables about the Jews. He was speaking to them about the, the life that they lived and the way that they had done and all the things that they had done to take people's focus off the intent of the law. Isn't it amazing that God started with ten laws and before the Jews got done there were hundreds of laws 
for all kinds of things. In fact, Jesus would tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you've made so many rules and regulations, nobody knows what to do. They can't even focus on the one point that the law was made for, and that is this, that man is a sinner and he cannot save himself. That man cannot get to heaven on his merit, on his work, on his deeds, or anything else, but he must realize that the only way that sin could be covered was by the blood. That's why there were offerings of sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. Even up to here, there were offerings made because it was by the shedding of blood there was no remission of sin. And so here Jesus is as he comes, and he on this Passover week... From Saturday till Thursday when they will crucify him. In this Passover week, here Jesus is and he's presenting to them again the intent and that is this. I am the Messiah. You don't want to accept it, but that's okay. Because why? Because of their rejection, you and I have the opportunity to have asked Jesus Christ into our heart. On Saturday, Jesus spoke in Bethany when he arrived. On Sunday, he spoke to another crowd in Bethany. On Monday, at the beginning of the Passover week, is when he rode the colt. And every time I think about that, or I preach about it, or whatever it might be, I, I just am amazed to think that here Jesus was going through the motions of writing this code and all the purpose and the intent of what all of that meant, knowing who he was, that at the end of the week when they were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. On that Monday and the, Jew and the city of Jerusalem was full of people and the parade must have been unbelievable. And I can't imagine that when Jesus gets off that little coat on the other end of the street, whichever it might be, that he got off, did he take a deep breath and go, man, they just don't get it. What did he do on Tuesday? He was not a good politician by no means, folks. Because on Tuesday he went to the temple and he cleansed the temple of the money changers and all the evil and all the junk that was going on. He cast them out. They were mad. You see, because what the intent was, the Jewish people said, you know what, this guy might be the one to overthrow the Roman government politically and militarily. But that was not Jesus' intent. His intent was to die on the cross for our sins. On Wednesday he went back and on Wednesday he's in the temple now because all the, the mess has been gone away with. He goes back to the temple and he's teaching and he presents these parables. And here in this parable, the marriage of this, of the feast of, for the son, in this parable here, I want you to notice some things real quick. All right, Number one, notice first of all God's gracious invitation. In verse 1 and 2 of the Word of God here, it says, in verse 2 especially, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Notice, first of all, the thought, the kingdom of heaven, and what that intent is this, is this king in this parable, it represents who God is. You see, God 
created all things. We believe that. We would say amen to that and we would agree to that. But he says the kingdom, there was a kingdom. This fear sphere that was there, he was allowed to do. And so this great king, he made a feast. God has invited the whole world to come to the feast. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's perfect will is that all men might be saved. God's permissive will is all men will not be saved or all mankind will not be saved. Why? Because they will not accept the fact that He is the Messiah. Verse 2 talks about the fact of a certain king who was wealthy, honorable, powerful, and so forth like that. And then he says he made a marriage feast in verse 3 for his son, a celebration. He wanted to introduce his son to hear he's the one you need to look at. You need to be represented by. So he made a marriage feast. And the focus isn't on the bride, but the focus is on the son. And that son being Jesus Christ. And what we've got to understand, people, in life, it's not about the church, and it's not about you, and it's not about stuff that we have, but if we as believers are not focused on one thing, that Jesus Christ saved my soul, we're going to live the defeated life. So we as believers need to be in a position in life where we are taking and, and we, are, we are giving ourselves back to God by faith. Being thankful that we are saved by grace. I'm telling you, I've got no complaint as an as a, a older gentleman now. I used to be a young boy in this church, but I grew up and got older and old and on and on. You know, you go like that and life is what it is in that degree. But you know, I've got no complaint about my life growing up. Man, I had a bird nest on the ground. I had it made. I had a mom and a dad who loved me. I had a dad, if you didn't want to do it, he'd just take that size 10 boot and maybe just whack you in the rear with it, and he could make you dance with that belt faster than anybody that I know of. My daughter says, I, Dad, you were good at that. I was, buddy. I knew how to do That's the only dance I've ever done in my life is the belt dance. You know, grab them by one hand, and they're running around in a circle, and you're just hitting them as they go. You know, if you try that, it works. Oh, we whip it. Don't go there. We won't get there. But what I'm trying to say is this. God has been good to me. And yet through all that, what I found here, I stand before you today because God has placed on my heart many years ago a call to the ministry. And yet as I've resigned and retired or quit preaching full time in that degree, yet God has allowed me the opportunity just like today to present the gospel message of Jesus Christ to a group of people that maybe one of you here need to hear for that reason. God's gracious invitation, number one, is this, is that He wants all man to come. There's a reason God has allowed this to be today and why I preach this message today. There's a reason for it and a purpose. And the challenge is this, that you might respond to that invitation. But here's the problem. In verses, verse 3, it comes back down to this. It says, And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. 
from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, God has made a way of escape for sinful man. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says that God took an innocent animal and slayed it and covered them with the skins because of their realization of their nakedness, but more than that, because of the shedding of blood, there was a position or place of forgiveness. But here's our problem, people, the rejection. And what Jesus, as he speaks his parable here to the Jews in this place today, in that synagogue in that day, as he spoke this invitation, he says, the message, the invitation rejected by his friends. To all of those, and that would be the Jewish nation that was there, to all of them that he sent his servants to. And by the way, God has done that in the Old Testament. He has sent Moses and he has spent knowing on and on and going the different Old Testament prophets. He has sent them to do one thing and that was to proclaim this, that the Messiah was coming and that you believe by faith that he would come as we believe by faith that he did come. Just the opposite. But the problem was his friends... The Jewish people rejected his message. He sent his servants, and it says, and they would not come. A lot of times as I now get to preach in different places, this morning I text several people who says, hey, if you preach over in Potosi, let us know. We'll come hear you. I text them, and you know what I got? I think I got no response. I can't tell for sure, you know. If you got a text from me this morning inviting you to come, I can't see you, all right? Apparently you're not one of them. So they didn't come either, but they were invited. They were invited for whatever me. But it says here, they would not come. There was the rejection. And more than that, it says another word there, that verse, it says in verse 5, and they made light of it. Are we not living in a day-to-day, people, where mankind is making light of the very gospel that we proclaim? Yes, we are. We've never, in my mind, have never been in a position where people are so indifferent, offended, if you want to call it, or whatever it might be when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because the world leaders and the world in general do not want to accept the fact that He is Lord. They make light of it. They're indifferent to it. And more than that, my friend, they abused His servants in verse 6. Now what's all that mean is this. The parable relates to what happened in the past, what was going to happen even to the Christians in the New Testament who would die for the cause of Christ. History says at one time the Roman roads were so lit by the, by the fire of Christians who had turned to Christ from Jewish, Judaism in that degree that they persecuted, they killed them, they beat them, they abused them, and on and on you can go because of their stance for Christ. In the end, there was hostility. And I think that we're living in the time, very possible, that we as Christians today are going to be seen, begin to see the, the pressure put on us not to be 
a Christian in public. Well, I got a problem there. What about you? If I'm talking, I've usually got Jesus involved somewhere in the conversation. You say, well, be careful who you talk to. I can't do that either because you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be presenting the gospel to a lost world. You notice the rejection of the invitation, thirdly, of his friends, but then you also notice in verse 7 and 8 the rejection of the invitation again. What do you mean, Roger? God does not give up on you. God does not give up on you. God wants us to turn our heart to Him. There are possibly some of you here this morning who are just, you're just mad. Do you know the easiest thing to do is to be mad at God? We, we, we're good at it. Life's not going the way you planned it out. Circumstances are happening. You know, I can give you the history of my life in the last year and a half. I had a plan going. I'll tell you, I planned to work till I was 65 and a half. Telling my brother Kelly I quit in next, this coming December. I was calling it quits, taking my retirement, my Social Security. And me and the wife, we were going to get in that motor coach that we've got. And we were going to run around and just enjoy life. Well, let me tell you what happened November the 26th of 2019. We found out that my wife had a brain tumor the size of a baseball in her head. It was non-cancerous, but that's beside the point. We found out that. Guess what we were doing December the 10th? We were having a neurosurgeon perform a surgery on her and they cut the front of her skull off. And they took out that tumor, all but about 1 or 2% of it that they couldn't get. The mass that was in the water part of your brain, they took out a tumor the size of a baseball. Guess what I've done for the last year and a half, or actually the last year until, you know, I can tell you the rest of the story here right now, but guess what I did? I quit my job on November the 26th. I I stopped going to work, and I started taking care of my wife. We had had health insurance up until... June of that year, you know what my wife did because of the brain tumor? We didn't know what was, that it was there. She quit paying the, life ins- or the health insurance. We had no health insurance. My life changed drastically, not only physically, emotionally, but even financially. But you want to know what? It's good. God has delivered. And then come November the 3rd of uh, last year, of 20, that would have been election day, I decided to start building a garage for the motor coach. And I got up on the roof, and I got warned three times to get off of it in my head. I didn't do it, so, you know, the bottom line is your youth pastor over here, associate pastor, he says, Roger, I want to be like you, so he cuts his arm off, or so forth like that. You know, I said, buddy, you all right? I said, but my advice to you is go for stuff you don't need to use, all right? Because when I fell off that building November the 3rd, I broke my right ankle, I broke my left leg and my right wrist. I've got over 65 stitches in me and a whole bunch of steel. (sighs) 
But you want to know what I've never done? I've yet to get mad at God and blame Him. You want to know why? Because I have seen God's hand on my life through all of these things. I've seen that. But so many choose to reject that invitation. But you see, Jesus or God, He didn't stop inviting. What did He say? He went and He destroyed all the Jews in that city. He says, you don't want to come? I'll invite some others. And so He did. And what does He tell His servants to do? He says, you go out into the highways. And you go out and what do you do? You invite who? The bad and the good. Well, let me tell you what. We are one of them. I don't know which. I could probably look at some of you and say, you know, I think you're on the bad. You'll be on the bad. Well, you might be on the good. You understand me? But he said that for a reason. He said that because when he said to the bad and the good, it means this, that he came for all mankind. That king that day, the people, his friends that rejected him in the first invitation, who took it lightly, could have cared less in that degree, who who ignored it and even killed the servants that proclaimed it. Jesus, God went back, excuse me, and then he made another plea. And yet today, friend, he might be pleading with your heart, won't you accept my invitation of grace? Won't you come by faith? You see, in the culture time and there, thirdly, the rejection of the invitation, the culture time of that was that, that, that you would be given an invitation at least twice. Throughout the Old Testament, in the different times that Israel was taken and put in captivity or bondage, they were given an invitation or a warning to stop doing what they're doing. That's like I said, you know, with the good Lord, he warned me, get off the roof, but I was so excited that I was putting that thing up and it was all going real well. When he warned me that third time, I fell off of that roof and it's not been the same since. But it's okay. Some of us need to get busy paying attention to thus saith the word of God. Some of us Need to hide or not hide, but some of us need to give up some sins that are keeping us away from the service of God. It's not just save, folks. It's service. I don't have to be here today, but I I like this. I like preaching almost as good as I like eating. You know, and I like doing other things. I enjoy proclaiming in that degree. But my point to you is this, is God is persistent. God doesn't give up. God cares for you. And you've come today, and might you come willing to heed the word. And fourthly, there's God's persistent invitation in that he continues to go. God continues to call. Let me tell you what, friend, there's going to be a wedding with or without you. You could be here and not know Jesus as your Savior, and you may say, I'll not get saved because so-and-so, he, she, they live just as bad as I do. Well, let me tell you what, friend, in heaven there will be no hypocrites. 
Now, who's the hypocrite when it comes down? The hypocrite is that one who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I'm telling you right now, if we're living a life that's not aligned up to the Word of God, we need to adjust our hearts and our minds spiritually. And we need to come to the place that are willing to trust God. And so you see, God's invitation is persistent. God's grace is abounding. That's why it said, go out and invite both the bad and the good. Don't you just love it that the Word of God says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friend, you that are believers and have believed, and the majority of you are that are here because you've come today to worship. Have you not found yourself sometime in life where you're just so physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted, and then you plead out to God, and you feel His presence? Man, I've felt that so many times in my life. I've been so down or discouraged or difficulties happening. You take the Word of God, and sometimes you don't have to have the Word of God, but there's a song, there's a story, or there's something you see, or whatever it might be, and that stirs your heart to have hope and faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, people. It's about the fact that we have God's grace. To carry us through. When we don't know what to do, we have God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then fifthly, notice this. God's redemptive requirement for His invitation. The Jews did not like this. Because this parable said, all this stuff that you're requiring isn't how this works. And when you look at the Word of God in in these verses, these last verses, it says here, and so they called them, and the multitude, I'm on the wrong page, and and in verse 11, and when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Do you know what that wedding garment is? It's the righteousness of God. It's it's the love of God, the grace of God. Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 said, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. What's that wedding garment? That wedding garment is the righteousness of God. And what are we clothed with in our salvation? The blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the neatest thing in the world? Crazy, isn't it? But my goodness, when Jesus was crucified and he was beaten and his blood was what? Shed for our sins symbolically. You know, when I lead someone to Christ, many times I will talk to them that what God cannot see before, and that is God cannot see you because we are sinners if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. 
But when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart by faith, do you know what happens? When we confess that He is the Lord, that He died on the cross for our sins, and we by faith transfer our trust to Him by faith, do you know what happens? And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth or covers us from all of our sins, spiritually. Now let me tell you what, the sad thing is, a whole lot of us, we get saved spiritually, but we forget to say, get saved physically. We don't change our habits, our actions, our motives. We fall back into our own way in the flesh. Well, my friend, that's another sermon that we could preach sometime down the road, and that is what we do with what we have, because the most important part that we have is this, that we know Jesus Christ. The garment is this, is the righteousness of God. It's the climax of the parable. Your covering has got nothing to do with what you can do for Him. All of my talent, all of my gifts, all of my abilities, they mean nothing. What's important is this, for, for the wages of sin is death. But in Romans chapter 10, I believe it says, But if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in our heart that Christ has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's by faith that we transfer our trust. And the key is this, when you come to that place, and is that wedding feast going to be that point of salvation? I, it's, this is a parable, people. But the point is this, is don't wait till you have a deathbed conversion because you just might miss it. If the Spirit speaks to your heart about getting your heart right today, then do that by the grace of God. But here he is, and, and the key is this. There's a requirement. And folks, this is powerful because he says here in verse 11, he says, And so he looks, and when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on the wedding garment. In verse 12, he said, And he said unto him, Friend... How comest thou hither not having a wedding garment? How'd you get in to the feast? Well, folks, he got in the door, but he didn't partake of the feast. <laughs> now I'm going to tell on myself. Years ago when I was young, I used to try to... We were at a hotel one time, and we, uh, we were at one hotel. It didn't have a swimming pool. Y'all with me on this? Yeah, that hotel didn't have a swimming pool, but the hotel on the other side of the street, it did. Well, guess what some of us guys decided we could do? we just go swim in that swimming pool. And so we did. And guess what happened? The manager comes strolling out and he says, Young men, what room are you in? <laughs> Do I need to tell you the rest of the story? Yeah, you got it. They ushered me out. We're kind of proud because we sort of got in, but we didn't get in. And the point of this parable is this. You may get in the door, but when God the Father comes and He looks, you know what He's going to do? He's going to look over, look over in that degree, and He's going to say one person, friend, friend. Isn't that neat? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God wants us to serve Him 
by faith. But yet that one that did not have on the garment, that garment is the righteousness of God, which is the salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. But he called him friend. But you want to notice something else, and I told you all to mark this down in your Bible. And he said to him, Friend, how comest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? Now, this is really important right here, because I told this to a guy the other day that was, uh, that was giving me a hard time. I said, you know, you need to go back and read Matthew 22, 1 through 4, and focus on verse 13. Well, why is that? Because when you get to heaven, because he does not want to accept the fact that you have to be saved by grace. Salvation. I said, that, that verse has got your name written all over it. But I said, you want to know what's going to happen when you get to eternity? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to tell God. Friend, we will tell God nothing. When we see the King of kings and Lord of lords... And we see the beauty of eternity, we who know Him, we're going to walk in humbled. We won't stroll in, and we won't walk, da 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 da, look, I'm here, I'm here. I believe we're going to get in, and we're going to go, wow. It's going to be amazing. But you see, the problem is, some who think they're going to get there, you know, and you say, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell God, no, you're not, because you're going to be speechless. You want to know why? Have you ever been stopped by a state patrolman? Me neither. (laughs) Me neither. And they always ask, do you know how fast you were going? No, I don't have no idea. Liar. You go on. I'm waiting to get stopped the next time because, you know, I've been waiting to re- use this answer for at least four or five years. It's been that long. The next time I get stopped, my intention says, yes, sir. The reason you stopped me because you couldn't catch the guy in front of me. That's my going out line before I get that ticket, okay? <clears throat> And they'll say to you, the speed limit is 55. And if we're going over 55, guess what, friend? We are guilty. Speechless. And the word speechless is this. Self-condemned. And as Jesus spoke this parable, as he spoke this parable... He looked at this one, and the point was this. We need to come to Jesus. If you wish to know God, you must know His Word. If you wish to perceive His power, you must see how He works by His Word. If you wish to know His purpose before it comes to pass, you can only discover it by His Word. There's a song, and I'm closing with this. It's not 11 o'clock yet, so we're okay, all right? I, I love this song. I love the words of this song. It's by Greater Vision. And the guy that sings the lead on it, uh, he wrote it, I think, back in 2013. It says, the title is, For All He's Done. It says, every morning when I wake up to see the sun, 
I can't help but think about the Lord and all the things he's done. He meets my every need. He knows he's, you know he's been so good to me. And I can't help but praise the Lord for all he's done. For all he's done, I'm going to lift my hands and praise him. For all he's done, I'll try to live my life to please him. Even though I don't deserve it, to live, to live, my life has just begun. And I can't help but praise the Lord for all he's done. Now listen to the second verse. There are many things that I could praise God for. And if I started now until I die, there'll still be many more. If I could mention only one, I'd have to thank him for his son. Now that's enough to praise the Lord for all he's done. What about you? God's invited you to a wedding feast. Are you prepared? Do you know him as his personal savior? God's invited us to come to heaven. He's invited us to worship him here. And I I would rather do that just about it than anything else to worship him here, not just here but in my life. And how I choose to live and what I choose to do. Can you imagine here the last part there? And what's he tell his servants to do? He says, take them, bind them, cast them out. Where? Hell. And then the great white throne judgment when hell will give up the dead. Over there, I believe it's Revelations 20. And when hell gives up the dead and everybody says, well, let me tell you, there'll be no telling him then. You know why? Because we are guilty or without Christ, you're guilty of your sins. I hope I don't fall, okay? I made it. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? If not, there are people in this congregation, Brother Kevin and others, because they don't give an invitation because of the virus. See, we're shutting us down and we don't even know it, right? But I invite you to ask and I'll share. But I want to ask you to stand right now and bow your head. If you're like me, I'm glad I'm not that one friend, huh? I'm one of the guests because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been saved. Have you? If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I encourage you this morning to wait till after the service or find Brother Kevin or, or another, find one of us and we'll, we'll talk with you or somebody will. I invite you to do that. But right now as we close in prayer, as we pray, may you pray, thank you God for saving my soul. I've got the cloth, the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm covered by his blood, his righteousness. Dear Lord, help us to live a life that's honoring to you. Help us, Lord, to do that which is pleasing by faith. Lord, if there be one here that needs to make some spiritual decisions for you, they need to get their life right, they need to make some changes, may they have the courage to do that. 
And Lord, if we can be of help, we'll do that also. God, thank you for the privilege of preaching and proclaiming your word. You've given us an invitation. And I would believe the majority in this congregation are part of that guest, that family, who has that righteous covering. But Father, if there be just one, may they, they, they realize their need to come to you. And oh God, may we realize it's more about, it's about the spiritual life that what we do, we do being pleasing to God. Thank you for worship. Thank you for our mothers. Thank you for what many that they've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray.